Well, good morning. My name is Dwayne. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today is August the 18th, and we are still working our way through the book of Acts together. Um, We're going to pick up today in Acts chapter number 15, where we see uh, the conclusion of the Jerusalem Council. Acts chapter number 15 and the conclusion of the Jerusalem Council. Good morning, brother. Hope you're doing well today. Um, We'll just pick up for context here in verse uh, number 30. So when they dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. Remember, The conclusion of the Jerusalem Council was that they needed to write uh, to the Gentiles to let them know that they did not need to be circumcised or fall under the law of Moses. But there were a few things uh, that they felt they needed to, what they called burdens or things that are necessary so that the ministry might uh, continue. And of course, this included, you know, in regards to eating meats that had been sacrificed to idols Uh, eating blood, things that had been strangled, and fornication or sexual sin. So, then we pick up in verse number 32. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and uh, confirmed them. Notice being also prophets. Now, this is clearly comparing them to the last prophet that was spoken of, which was Amos. You remember James used Amos and his prophecy in regards to the coming kingdom and the inclusion of the Gentiles, or how the Jews would indeed reach the Gentiles, as he was confirming Peter's um, witness in regards to what God had done with Cornelius and was using that and applying that also to the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. So here he's, he, uh, we see, note, being prophets also. Remember, these two were sent along with Paul and Barnabas to confirm everything that was determined in the council. So notice these guys took pretty extreme measures to make sure that the witness of Paul and Barnabas was not hindered. Not only did they send a letter that they had penned as to the conclusion of the council, but they also sent eyewitness testimony uh, to that as well. Also, of course, it's obvious that there were prophets at this time, just as a side note, at least in this early stage of the church. However, I believe, and I may not be joined by everybody, but I believe that that this office, as well as the office of apostle, are no longer. And you remember in Ephesians 4.11, it, it gives the, the five ministry gifts of um, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Um, again, I, I just, I, I really struggle with the concept of apostles and teachers today. I mean, apostles and prophets today. Um, some would argue that they're still here. I, I just don't see any proof of that after um, the death of the original apostles. Uh, I guess an argument could be made more so in favor of prophets, 
but certainly apostles. Now, I would contend that while the offices themselves are closed, the functions certainly are not. Uh, I would view a missionary as doing the work of an apostle. Um, that's why you see a lot of people who start churches, especially among Pentecostal-type groups. Um, when, once they're the head of several churches, they will give them the title of apostle. But I look at the def- at the, uh, the job description of an apostle and the requirements to be an apostle, and no one meets that today. So I would contend that maybe while the, the office is not available, certain Certainly the function is fulfilled through the missionary. And while the office of prophet, uh, and I have less to, to base that conclusion on than I would apostle, but I think it's fulfilled you know, through the ministry of the, the, the pastor teacher uh, as he opens up the word of God. And, and of course, prophecy, you know, to prophesy um, can either mean to foretell or to foretell. Um, I think the pastor teacher today does forth tell, uh, not foretell. Um, but again, I mean, there are some that would argue with that, but I'm highly suspect uh, when I see anyone claiming to have those offices. I think they're just confusing the office with the function. And then notice in verse number 33, and after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Um, notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Um, bear in mind that their entire function, and this is speaking of Judas and Silas, uh, was to simply bear witness to the decision that had been made by the Jerusalem Council in regards to whether or not the Gentiles had to be circumcised, fall in line under the Mosaic Law. And obviously, they feel that that, had, had, that function had been fulfilled, and so they were let go in peace from the brethren to go back to the apostles. Um, and of course, that's speaking of the twelve that's in Jerusalem. But notice that Silas decided to stay. It would seem that Silas had already established a relationship with Paul. Um, which would be the subject of contention <laughs> when we get down into chapter number 16 uh, between him and Barnabas. Now, notice in verse number 35, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many also. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Paul now makes a proposal that they go back and they visit all of the churches in Asia Minor that they visited on their first missionary journey. So this is the beginning of his second missionary journey. And the whole purpose of of the visit was to simply see how they do, you know, to see what they're doing, to encourage them, to check on them, to to just be a part of what they're doing there. And then Excuse me, notice in verse number 37, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now, of course, this is the same John Mark that went out with them on their first missionary journey and bailed somewhere around Pamphylia. And Paul thought not good to take him. 
with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So there was a disagreement here. Barnabas wanted to take him. Paul didn't want to take him. And the contention was so sharp between them, and they departed asunder from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. And Paul took Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. So for some undisclosed reason, at least here in the text, other than that he went not with them to the work, that's the only reason that we see there. Um, Paul is dead set against taking John Mark on this journey. Uh, Albert Barnes, who's one of my favorite commentators, um, comments that John Mark was the son of the sister of Barnabas. Um, but whatever the reason, we do know that they later did reconcile. Uh, in 1 Timothy 4.11, uh, Paul told Paul writing said only Luke is with me take Mark and bring him with thee for he is profitable for me for or to me for the ministry so whatever the reason was Paul decided he didn't want to take John Mark here maybe he just didn't think he had the stomach for it uh, he had been wounded hurt discouraged. <laughs> by him when he bailed on him the first time. He just felt John Mark wasn't mature enough. He wasn't ready. And, of course, John, Barnabas disagreed. Um, but whatever the reason, by the time we reach 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul felt very confident in John Mark's abilities, his maturity, and he, just, he asked for him. So, you know, some will erroneously, in my opinion, say that the fact that Barnabas was never heard from again is proof that he was in the wrong. That's, that's, a, that's a ludicrous uh, argument, in my opinion. Uh, it's very difficult and dangerous to read something into Scripture that is not there. The only thing we're told is that John Mark turned back and he went not with him to the work. That's the only thing we have. We have no idea what else was involved. Uh, it's those same ones that'll say um, that uh, Paul should have been chosen by instead of Matthias to replace Judas. Um, and they'll give the exact same reasonings. And usually that reasoning is, well, you know, as soon as, uh, you know, Barnabas uh, split off from Paul here, Barnabas was never heard from again. And the same thing about Matthias. Matthias was never heard from again. Therefore, that's proof in the pudding there that that they were in the wrong, that they were in the flesh. But you can't say that because if you even look at the original 12 apostles, other than outside of church history, um, Fox's Book of Martyrs, we would never know what happened with Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew. I mean, they never they never had a prominent role in Scripture either. So that that argument breaks down to say just because they disappeared from the pages of Scripture is proof that they were in the wrong or that they made the wrong decision. Again, it's difficult and it's dangerous to read into Scripture something that the Scripture just simply does not say. Um, you know, the same argument could be made when they try to correct Peter, you know, saying Peter shouldn't have read 
all of Joel 2 like he did, because the tribulation was not to come next. In Peter's mind, the tribulation was going to come next, followed by the second coming and the establishment of the kingdom, and that's why he was offering that. Again, we just got to be careful when we start reading something into the scripture, when we, we, when we get our filters on, and we start making it say something it doesn't say. Let the Bible speak for itself. Let the Bible correct your theology. Okay, don't let your theology correct the Bible. And that's what we do today. Too many, we, we read, I, I've done this. I've sat down with young people. I, I for some reason, I the Lord has just given me a awesome ministry to young people, especially college age. Uh, I think their minds are just more malleable. <laughs> They're not as set in their ways, but I'll sit down and I'll say, read this to me. And they'll read it. What does it mean? And they will tell me what they heard in Bible 101. You know, they will tell me, they won't even think through the verse. They'll just tell me what they have been told this means. And I'll say, okay, let's context, context, context. Let's read the context. Is this what this is saying? <gasps> and then they see that what they've been taught has been taken out of context. Again, don't read into the text something that's not there. A text out of context is a pretext, and you're going to end up in trouble if you continue to do that. Um, I believe in the end, Silas was a good match for Paul for the period. And what do I mean by that? Um, remember, at this very u unique time in history, there were both Jews and Gentiles, both believing and both serving the Lord together, but under two different programs. Wrap your mind around that for just a few minutes, okay? There were Jews and Gentiles both believing, either believing the kingdom gospel or believing the grace gospel, yet they were both serving together, just as you had Paul and Barnabas and Judas and Silas serving together, but under two different programs. So I think Silas was a good match for Paul. This is another key to interpreting Paul's writings in that he is addressing both of these people at times. And that is the challenge that I have found, especially in reading books like Ephesians and Corinthians. Those are the two that you have to slow down Pay attention to the audience, and many times it just is a matter of paying attention to the pronouns. Who is Paul talking to? Because at this very unique time in history, he could be addressing either or. Because only at this unique time in history did you have Jews and Gentiles both believing, both serving, yet under different programs. Uh, so we need to be very careful in that regard. Let me just read two more verses and we'll conclude for today. Um, we have wrapped up chapter number 15. Now look in chapter number 16. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. 
which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Now, this begins Paul's second missionary journey. The first time he goes up and he founds these churches in Asia Minor, and now he's going to go back again, and he's going to confirm these churches. He's going to see how they do. He's going to confirm these churches in Asia Minor. Um, And notice here that Paul and Silas, remember Barnabas took John Mark, and now we see Paul and Silas, they go to Derby. Derby was the last place that Paul had visited on his last missionary journey. In other words, it's like he's just backtracking. In Acts 14.20, howbeit as the disciples stood around about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. And when he had preached the gospel there and taught many, he returned again to Lystra, Iconium, and back to Antioch. So Derby was the last place that Paul had visited on his first missionary journey. So now he's going back there. And as I stated earlier, that may have been when he first met Timothy, uh, when Timothy first came under his teaching. In 1 Timothy 1-2, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. So he may have shared um, the grace gospel with Timothy on that first missionary journey. And now he's going back and he's revisiting and catching up with Timothy, who would eventually, Timothy and Silas, um, or Timothy and Titus would be the ones that would play that are are seen as, I guess, sons, spiritual sons, if you will, of Paul. And these guys will, of course, he'll write letters to them later on. So anyway, um, that's uh, we've covered quite a bit. Our 10, 15 minutes is up. But anyway, I hope you're enjoying studying through the Word of God with me each and every morning. Sorry about yesterday. I woke up and realized that it was my anniversary, or at least we were going to celebrate my anniversary. I had a great time. I appreciate those of you that uh, sent uh, uh, salutations, if you will, and congratulations to me on Facebook. We've been married 33 years. We've known each other for 35 years. God has certainly been good. Also, my son was in town. My oldest boy came in from Nashville, and I had to get him to the airport that morning so that he could get back home. So uh, it was a good day, but uh, we're going to keep working our way through the book of Acts. And God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.